Hey everybody, it's Prem. Welcome to the next chapter. For those who are watching, or maybe you can even tell, obviously we're not in the studio, I'm not at home. We are on the road, and this week we are at the 2023 NCAA Men's Final Four in Houston, Texas. <laughs> the atmosphere is unbelievable here. But, as you might recall, last fall I was dubbed the host of the LG Transparent Conversation Series, an initiative powered by LG Electronics USA, focused on addressing and exploring such an important topic to me that's near and dear to my heart, which is student athlete mental health and well-being. So we traveled to all different college campuses all over the country exploring and addressing this topic. But this time around, we decided to take the show to the big dance and join the March Madness crowd. So as we did last fall, each panel is going to feature a different topic with different set of panelists, all with a unique perspective, which means that we're going to be hearing from student athletes as well as mental health clinicians and experts as well. So LG is on a mission to make their tagline, life's good, more than just a saying. With this series, we hope to spark powerful, authentic, transparent conversations. And we hope we're gonna make a difference on and off the court or field. So in this first episode, we're gonna talk about the big dance and the road to the elite stage and this buildup, if you will, this crescendo of pressure and expectation and performance that athletes experience as they gear up for the postseason. And for many athletes, let's be honest, this is a moment that they've been waiting for, for so, so long. And what this conversation is going to do is provide context and a deeper understanding of what happens after the postseason, where some athletes experience this crash or decline or transition, if you will, following the postseason, which is what we're going to discuss in the second episode. So in, order, in other words, in order to understand the aftermath of the postseason or any big tournament, we have to understand the pressure cooker and the lead up to it, like these big events, and then we can only understand what happens afterwards. So here's the first of two episodes, and joining us is Lisa Bontasumi. She's a licensed clinical social worker and mental performance consultant, someone you're gonna find on the NFL Players Association clinician director. She's worked with athletes for many, many years. She's also the CEO and founder of Ath Mindset. We'll also have Trace Jackson Davis, an All-American senior and team captain for the Indiana Hoosiers. He's also projected to be a top pick in the upcoming 2023 NBA draft. And we'll also have Jarris Walker, a freshman for the Houston Cougars. So without further ado, here's our first episode. Are you guys ready? Let's go. Let's go. We just kind of roll into this. There, we, we try to keep things as informal as possible. So I don't know about you guys, but this setup is pretty insane. Have you ever seen anything like this? And I feel like I'm on like college game day for real. This, uh, this is college game day. This is better than college game day. No, no knock to my ESPN friends and colleagues over there, but this has got to be better than college game day. So for those that are watching, on video, we are in the middle of Fan Fest here in Houston, Texas, where everything is big. This is so exciting. So let me 
welcome everybody into LG Transparent Conversations, a series addressing such an important topic that is near and dear to my heart, and hopefully everybody here is sitting at this table too, but student athlete mental health and well-being. And it's all being powered by LG Electronics USC, USA. You could probably see the logos. LG is everywhere as well as it should be. Such a great initiative. So guys, we launched this concept last fall and we made numerous stops at various campuses all over the country, um, including my alma mater, Duke University. But we had this traveling LG Transparent Conversations van with a built-in radio and video set. It That's was insane. insane. Yeah, but the crazy, crazy thing is, is that we made so many stops and we ran that van down to the ground. <laughs> Literally, the wheels fell off. So we had to create a whole different set. And so... <laughs> This is what we got. Right, you not guys, too bad. It's not, not too, too bad, bad right? I was trying to see what the van's talking about. <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds kind of. Well, lit. we can we can make that pitch to LG and say, that you know what, we can bring back lit. the van. We can do the set. We can do the van. Maybe we can create an LG Transparent Conversations mansion out in Los Angeles. I'm just giving some ideas. I'm Anyways, <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> well, we are here at the 2023 NCAA Men's Final Four at Houston, Texas. I am Prim Saripapad. I'm going to serve as your host and moderator today as a former student athlete, as a former Duke tennis player, and also longtime sports broadcaster, formerly with ESPN, but also now as a PhD counseling psychology student who has dedicated the rest of my career, hopefully, to helping athletes. Oh my gosh, this is, this is truly so exciting. So that's enough from me. I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to introduce our amazing guest today. I'm going to start all the way at the very end. We have the one and only Trace Jackson Davis, All-American senior and team captain for the Indiana Hoosiers. Naismith Men's Defensive Player of the Year semifinalist, five-time Big Ten player, projected top pick in the 2023 NBA Draft. Ooh. Mr. Davis, thank Ooh. you so much for joining us. Did I leave anything out? I know actually, looking at your resume, I know I left a lot out, but that's no, all the time that we have for today. No, we're good, we're good. We pretty much covered it for real. So. Okay, good. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank I, you. We know that you have a very tight schedule, so we're going to get right into it. And then right next to Mr. Davis, we have Miss Lisa Bantasumi, psychotherapist and mental performance consultant, someone you will find on the NFL Players Association clinician directory who's worked with athletes for many, 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 many years, mental health and performance coach for the Oakland Roots Sports Club, TEDx international speaker, CEO and founder of Ath Mindset. She is all over the place. Miss Lisa, thank you for joining us. Are you ready to go today? I am ready. Thank you for that intro. Oh my God, I was like, is she talking about me? But I am ready. Yes, <laughs> I am talking about you. Um, and then last but certainly not least, we have Jarris Walker, freshman of the Houston Cougars in high school while attending the one and only IMG Academy. Five-star recruit, McDonald's All-American, ranked number one power forward in the country by ESPN, who also got his the first taste of the big dance this year as a freshman. I did, How was I did. it? It was awesome. I mean, I had a great time out there. Just the environment, the vibes. It was, it was a good time. That's awesome. Well, obviously, today we're going to talk about student athlete mental health and well-being, and we're going to we're going to shift this and shape this conversation to so it molds with a little bit of the performance aspects. And in this first episode, we're going to talk about the big dance 
and the road to the elite stage, right? So we're talking about the rise, the crescendo, mm -hmm. hopefully teams and athletes can, can reach this peak performance. And we also want to give everybody the backdrop of all the preparation and the training and the expectations and the pressure, all this buildup, because in order to underst truly understand the student athlete experience, we have to talk about these factors, right? So, Trace and Jaris, I want to go to, to the both of you first. What makes this time of year so special? Trace, you can start off first. Um, what really makes it special for me is um, from my university, Indiana, we hadn't made the tournament since 2016. And so getting back there last year and then coming back this year as a high seed and having a chance to do something special, uh, it was huge. But um, it was kind of my going away party my senior year. And obviously we had players injured. One of our point guard got injured at the beginning of the year, so that really stung. But um, we stuck through it and um, just getting to March Madness and playing in front of the, the fans is a crazy experience and one that you can't take for granted. No, nah, most definitely. Like, it's something I'll never forget. Like, I me mean, growing up as a kid, I was filling out brackets, watching Carl Anthony, Anthony Davis, all the, all the top dollar dudes. So, I mean, but just being able to just put my feet in there, just hoop, I mean, get a good little run, Sweet 16. So, I mean, it was a good time. I mean, for the both of you guys, how old were you when you started basketball? Maybe four, five, seven, what? I'll say I started in, like, second or third grade. Okay. I want to say I was, like, six. Seven? Six. I don't know what grade that is. But I mean, my, my point is, when I was asking that question is, is when you start, when you start playing ball, like this, this event where we are at right now is part of that big dream, right? Yeah. All basketball players aspire for that. And even Lisa, I know you were so hyped. You're so hyped to go to the game tonight. You're like, as a sports fan, I am definitely going. <laughs> Absolutely. Even for, for us uh, non-basketball players, this is the elite stage for for so many for so many of us. What what is it about this this platform that you think makes it so special and unique? Um, I just think that um, it brings everyone together. Really, mm -hmm. um, you got people from all over the, the country coming to the same spot. Um, you got Cinderella stories. You got upsets. Um, the tournament is really really special. It's really one of the greatest times of the year, in my opinion. And it's, it's just so unpredictable. So, like, you really got to tune into every game because you never know what's going to happen. Like, you see all the buzzer beaters, like you said, the upsets, the Cinderella story. So, I mean, like, this tournament is really one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Can you give, Trace and Jarris, can you give a little backdrop? When you think about the first time you picked up that basketball and how far you have come to this point, I mean, all those hours and minutes and that, that the sweat, sweat, blood, glory, all of that is the buildup to this. But can you put into context and into words the type of preparation that's required to get to this point? Man. If uh, you can even describe it. <laughs> it's, it's hard to describe, really. But um, what I can say just from growing up, like, if you would have asked me in eighth grade if I would have been in this moment, I would have been, like, not even dreaming about this, let alone get to experience it. And so, but um, just grinding throughout high school, um, trying trying my hardest just to get offers, um, and then being blessed to be a McDonald's All-American and do stuff of that nature, and then attending a university like Indiana. Um, it's just, it's all blessings, but the hours in the gym, 
long hours in the gym, and then when you get to college, you can't stop. You gotta continue, or you'll get passed up. So, but it's been long. It's been long process. Yeah, most definitely, and it starts. It starts early. Like it starts months before the first game. I mean, like just all that preparation and hard work that you put in, even before the season. Like it just all adds up. So I feel like, I mean, that kind of just takes everybody's game to the next level, just all the hard work and effort they put in. Absolutely. Yeah, and Lisa, I want to bring you into the conversation because I know I wanted to include uh, Trace and Jarris because I know they have to go shortly. But from, you've been working with athletes for many, many years. You even have a daughter who's an elite athlete herself. So can you put a little bit more um, just description in depth, at least from a clinical perspective, about the type of preparation that goes into getting to this elite stage? I mean, it can't be taken for granted. The type of preparation is not just the physical skills, but the mental preparation. You got to like do your best to stay focused, not get distracted by the things that don't matter. Stay in the moment. And that takes training to train your brain just like you're training your body. It's not easy. But, you know, it's easy to be like at, at the, these guys' levels. I mean, <laughs> social media, pictures, this engagement, that engagement. How do you stay focused on your values and what's important to you um, and show up as a human being you want to be? Because you're representing yourself, your family, your, your schools, um, your teams. And so it means a lot in, like, doing the best to have good people around you to help you focus on what, what, what matters, really. Yeah, I mean, when... <sighs> The moment you throw in social media and also the NIL aspect of everything, which wasn't in existence when when I was competing, I mean, it just changes the whole dynamic in game. And you talk about, when you, when you talk to athletes, and when I talk to athletes, and I, I talk to athletes at all different levels, but especially as you get to the collegiate and division one and also professional levels, and those who have won championships, every single one of them always talk about the expectations and pressure, right? Expectations and, uh, expectations and pressure are going to be a part of the equation, especially now with social media and, and ideal, NIL deals. So, Trace and Jarris, can you just provide just your own personal perspective on just the expectation and the pressure that comes with being a student athlete? What is that like? I'll go. Um, for me, uh, it's crazy. Um, Especially when, when you're like us and you come in as freshmen and highly touted, um, it's, it's crazy what the fans expect from you. And uh, they, they, they can give you some choice words on Twitter or Instagram if you have a bad game, but you always got to stay level-headed. And then you throw in the NIL and all those deals, so they see that you're making a little bit of money now, so they really want to get on you if you have a bad game. But at the end of the day, you just got to go out there and you got to play hard and, and do what you got to do and try to help your team win. Yeah, most definitely. Like, I mean, the biggest thing for me is just focusing what I, I mean, like, just trying to see how to word it. Just don't really pay attention to things you can't control, like whether it's missed shots or, I mean, a bad game. Like, I mean, it'll happen. Like, we're athletes. We're yeah. human. So, I mean, just not focusing on that and just doing everything you can to just mentally prepare yourself for the next play, next possession. I love what Absolutely. the both of you said. I mean, ultimately, our conversations to this one right here, and we're going to host another panel um, afterwards. But my, my whole mission is really just to articulate the idea that athletes are not just these vessels, but all of you are also yeah. human beings as well with feelings and emotions and your fallibilities and mistakes and all those things. That is part of the human experience. 
And Trace, when you, when you were talking about social media, I want you to just talk a little bit about, you don't have to say the exact words that fans have shared with you, but, but this provides a different perspective on what it is really like to be on the platform that you all are on. And that includes some of the social media hate and then some of the stuff that yeah. you are that, that you receive because this is a part of the equation with regards to when we're talking about student athlete mental health and well-being, this type of stuff can and it does affect people and athletes. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so the way that I looked at it, um, if they're not in my close circle, if they're not my friend, I really just, I could care less what they have to say, really. Um, I know at the end of the day, I know me and I know my values and um, some people just, they see athletes and they just think that we're just, we're there to perform, we're there to play, but at the end of the day, we're people too, we have feelings, but um, I'd say something that stuck with me, and when I was in high school, I went to a skills camp and LeBron spoke at it and he said, all these people that are talking to you, they're not real. Like, like even if they have the blue checks, if they have, if they, if you don't know them, you can't, you can't think of that. You can't think of what they have to say because obviously they don't know who you are. And so that really stuck with me. But um, I just, at the end of the day, I just do me and um, just play my hardest for real. I feel like if there's anybody that can, that can give advice with regards to dealing with <laughs> expectation and pressure and being on the public stage, is that guy. I believe King James is Thanks. the person <laughs> is that, that could probably <laughs> write the manual of like, yo, bro, this is like how you handle it. Jairus, can you share a little bit about your experience on your interaction with social media? And, and I'm also just kind of curious, how often do you hear from fans and how often are those comments negative versus positive? I mean, you're going to hear from fans every day. I mean, especially <laughs> when you play at this this level, especially no. in Is it literally Man. every day? I oh, mean, yeah. every like you're going to hear something, a DM, <laughs> a tweet. Snapchat, like you, you gonna get something, like regardless of what it is. But I mean, like everybody's gonna have their opinions. It's just something you can't focus on. So like you just have to just block out certain noise and just know who to listen to. I feel like that's the biggest thing. Lisa, when you're hearing about this type of stuff, what what comes to mind, especially for you when you're thinking about caring for the human being right. behind the athlete? What comes right. to mind? I mean, first of all, what comes to mind is like these these gentlemen that I get the privilege to sit next to, I want to meet your parents because they have prepared you for these moments, for, for what's going on for you. Like you're very wise already as a young man and I'm just impressed, so I'm moved by that. I just have to share that. Um, and I think, you know, when I think about athletes, athletes at, at this level, Athletes are a vulnerable population mm -hmm. from a clinical standpoint, right? We talk about, wait, we don't want to say they're vulnerable, but they are a vulnerable population. They have their own set of stressors that no one else has. And so how, what is the response to those stressors is really, really important, making sure that these athletes are skillfully responding to whatever those stressors might be. A, a, a whack tweet, a like, uh, you know, getting put down, all of that stuff. They're ready. They're, they're, they are responding, but that takes um, energy, a rigor, a focus to not get caught up in it. You know, I'm just, I'm literally proud of these guys for being able to share their perspective. I know it's going to touch people out there, young ones coming up. Um, so knowing that these guys are human, they have a set of stressors that no one can even imagine about the level of how it can impact them. Um, and just, you know, again, super proud to just be in their presence right now. 
Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank thank you. Yeah. 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 No, you all should be very proud of yourselves about how you're handling this stage. And also, just going bouncing off of what you just mentioned, Lisa. And obviously, you know, this is this is the type of stuff that I'm doing research on. And just to put it out in the in the Twitterverse and the universe, so everybody does know, is that there is research out there showing that athletes, especially at the elite stages at the division one level and also the professional level. This is a population that where there is an increased risk for suffering mental health issues and symptoms and disorders because of the changing dynamics within collegiate and also professional athletics because of the money and the pressure and expectation. So I think it, providing a little context, that's, that's really important. So we've talked about the different factors. Um, you know, Trace and Jairus, I'm interested, when you all are at the podium, Media is always going to ask about points, rebounds, assists, performance, plays, all this other stuff. What does it feel like to talk about the different side of sports, the mental health, the performance side, the fact that all of you are people first rather than athletes? Yeah, for me, I mean, when I'm at the podium, I, I, I give in-depth responses. So I'll, I'll tell them what whatever I want to, basically. So if I feel like someone's going after one of my teammates i'll tell them i'll tell the media but um i feel like it's it's huge to talk about this because um it's it happens every day i mean i see nba guys now speaking up like kyrie irving russell westbrook um and finally just sharing their stories and just not being afraid to and i think that's huge because if they're doing it on their platform and they're some of the biggest people in the world with their followings um it just shows that anyone can do it. Yeah. How about you? Um, I would say like it's. I mean, it's just awesome because like not everybody has this opportunity. Like when people think of us, they think of dunks and block shots and highlights. But I mean, like it's 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 way deeper than that. Absolutely. So like just being able to just come on this and just talk about. I mean, just something a little deeper in the basketball. I mean, it's it's awesome because everybody doesn't get this opportunity. I'm so glad you're saying that, and I, I hope that I'm reading your facial expressions um, correctly, but I, it does seem, when you said that, that there is a sense of sincerity from the both of you when you're talking about that. Absolutely. Um, and I, I know that when I bring a lot of athletes onto my show and I'm asking them about their childhood and who they are as people, they're like, these are questions that no, like media never ask us. Like, you never ask me about anything other than basketball or football. Exactly. So it must, be, it must feel a little different, and I'm, I'm so glad you're experiencing that. So I wanted to go through, I, I wrote a list of factors about the challenges athletes and teams face as they're going to the elite stage. So we've talked about pressure, we've talked about expectations, obviously performance concerns, right? Everybody's trying to achieve that peak performance so you're hitting on all cylinders by the time you get to this stage. Injuries. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a big one that's right there. That's a huge there. one. Huge. Right? That's a big one. Team dynamics. Let's be honest, on every team, there's always going to be some sort of conflict. There's always going to be issues, right? So you got to be able to work through that. Yep. We've also talked about social media, NIL deals, athletes being treated as a commodity, the glorification of the elite stage. What? Going through some of those factors, and I'm sure there's a lot. Oh, academic demands. Obviously, juggling academic Absolutely. and school demands. People kind of forget, like, when you're here, you're on this mic right now. You're probably missing class, and you're probably missing an assignment. Yep. So when you go back, you got you. When you hop on that plane tonight, you're going to have to do that. Exactly. So out of all of those factors, which one stands out to you that we have not talked about? That's really important. Um, I'll start. I would say I feel like injuries is yep. one of the biggest things for uh, athletes yep. because, like, 
just being taken away from the game, like a sport you love, watching your teammates go out there without you, like that's something. Like I had a bad injury. I was out for a couple months. Like I'll never forget that time. Cause I mean, it was just so tough. And I mean, that's when you really know who the people closest to you are. Cause like they'll care about you. They'll show the love for you. They'll be there for you. But like you don't, in those times, you don't hear from the fans. Like, oh, get well soon. You'll be back. Like it's just, it's just strictly family. So I mean, like. I feel like injuries is have a have a big impact on mental health for sure. Yes, yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing. I'm gonna have that. to I'm gonna have to agree with Jairus. Um, that's same for me. I, I went through a little injury with my back this year, and um, when you're not playing to the level that you can, and you're playing like, obviously with me, I was trying to help my team because we already had our point guard injured, so I, I couldn't sit out. And so, um, but just not being able to play up to your potential. And then uh, obviously you have the fans when you're not playing well, they're saying all this other stuff. Um, it can get to you. And so um, I tried my hardest to get through it and I ended up doing it. But um, yeah, it's tough. Injuries are tough. And um, obviously they're a part of the game, but um, it's hard. Lisa, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I'm not surprised that the guys said that. I think that, you know, one of the number one reasons um, athletes come to me for the mental performance side is because they are trying to recover and rehab from an injury. They are confused by the emotions they're feeling. They feel left out. They're not able to put in the minutes that they used to. They're not traveling. They're not in the com like the team environment in the same way. It's almost like you're, you're a stepchild forgotten or something like that. But the way we have to think about it is, this is a loss. And so the, the, the grieving process of, of losing something, your ability to play and contribute, will bring all these emotions up. Anger, depression, um, bargaining, trying to figure out how to, how to best make it. No, I'm not really that injured. I can play, like, just let me have a chance. Um, and then there's an acceptance. Like, these are the stages of grief from Elizabeth Kubler-Ross that I apply to this aspect, like loss of your ability to like do things, maybe not just on the court. Um, so it's a big one and, and players need to understand whatever you're feeling is normal and you still have to get that support and that like, yeah, I hope you get better. That goes a long way when, when people are thinking about uh, yep. you guys as humans, right? Like mm -hmm. not hurry up and get up on there. Like you gotta make our school money, right? Like, come on, exactly. it's, it's media day, is this, that. You gotta <laughs> show up. Um, that's when we get in that sticky place of like forgetting that they're human, forgetting that they need this opportunity to heal emotionally and physically. The psychological impact of dealing with an injury and losing the one thing that has afforded you all of these opportunities, it is your vessel. It is your vessel for performance and the scholarships that you all have received. And obviously when the body shot, shuts down and it's not performing the way you need it to, it would make sense that everything else, including this right here, I'm pointing to my head and also our hearts, like it affects yeah. Our spirit yes. and you know I, I can really empathize when I was um, playing at Duke and I had three consecutive surgeries on my shoulder and then wow. both knees in three consecutive months that's crazy and I was I was I think on the surface as, as an athlete you're like I got this I can do this I'm fine because that's the type of thing that you right. do right you put on this facade but inside I was just I was torn apart you know because I felt like I was letting my team down so in that same spirit, I'm going to, I want to ask the both of you, and I ask this question because with the hope that it will prepare you for the rest of your career, because you're going to probably experience another injury, 
So what did you learn from that injury this year that you think could apply in the future that will better prepare you the next time it happens? I'll say the biggest thing for me is just remembering who I am. Um, I was I play at Indiana for a reason. Um, I can't let anyone get under my skin, and I just got to listen to my trainers. And whenever they say I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go. But um, obviously, it's tough. It's tough to be injured. It's tough to sit out, but you can still cheer your teammates on and do stuff of that nature. And um, at the end of the day, just take your rehab seriously and um, get out there as fast as you can. Trace, uh, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, Jairus, but Trace, when you mention you have to listen to your trainers and shut out the noise, does that mean that you were hearing some of that noise and the distractions and some of the maybe stuff that fans or other people were saying oh, yeah. about you? Yeah, so basically uh, there was media members because I had to sit out two games. Was, and uh, they're like, the media team, they're just acting like it's just because we're not playing high-caliber teams is why I'm sitting out. But um, just seeing, just hearing stuff like that, and just um, it gets to you a little bit because obviously I'm a competitor. I always want to be on, on the court with my brothers, and so that's what it really meant by that. Thank you for sharing that. And that, that offers the other side of it, right? Because I think especially with social media and the way media is operates in today's world, narratives can be or conclusions can be made yep. that may or may not be true, right? Absolutely. So maybe that's a great example of, hey, let's – Dig a little bit deeper to find the situation and the truth of it. Jairus, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're so, good. So what are your thoughts about, about this? And, and what what would you learn from your injury? Um, I would just say that remaining positive is kind of the most important thing. Because, I mean, like, obviously you're injured, like, you're hurting. But, I mean, like, it's really nothing you could do about that. So, like, that's why I said early, like, just control what you can control. So, I mean, like, if you're injured, just rehab, like he's been saying. I mean, just try to lift your teammates up. Just try to be a good teammate. Um, just do really whatever you can to just lift others up. I mean, like, at that moment, it's, it's about you, but it's not. Because, I mean, like, life goes on. The season's going to go on. People are going to keep playing. So, I mean, if you could just still be there for your brothers, even though you're hurting, like, that's, that's really important. That's amazing insight. Trace, did you have something to say before? Because I know you all have to go. Okay, Lisa, thoughts? I mean, I think the, the humility these guys have in realizing that, you know, they play a special role even when they're injured. They can cheer them on. They're looking their guys in the eye. These are brothers. We're, we got you. Um, and I think the mental recovery from the injury is really important, too, like keeping the, the self-talk positive, imagining your, your injury healing is a part of the rehab. So it's mental rehab and physical rehab and knowing how they can work together to actually move the physical healing along if you add the mental piece, right, of just imaging it healing as detailed as possible can really, really help. I think what we're talking about, just the psychological impact of injury, I think it's so important yes. regarding just achieving peak performance as an athlete and also a team. It also has to do with athlete mental health and well-being, about just how to operate within a team setting, right? Because I think in our minds, at least when I was playing, I was like, if I'm not winning and if I'm not scoring or scoring the most points or if I'm not... I don't know, fill in the blank, like a national t championship winner, player, performer, whatever, that I am not enough. But that no. is obviously not the case, right? Because when we are on a team, there's so everybody has a different role. And Jairus, I think it sounded like you were, that's something that you had learned in your experience going through the injury this year, 
is recognizing like, hey, I can contribute to the team even when I am injured and even when I am on the sidelines. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I mean, that, that's what it's all about. Cause I mean, like basketball, it's it's something just bigger than yourself. So I mean, like when I'm out there with my brothers, even when I'm not out there, like I still love them, care for them, want to see them win. So I mean, if I'm cheering them on, giving them confidence on the bench, I feel like, I mean, that that helps as much as I can. So I mean, just little things like that, I'll keep in mind, like even when I'm hurt or, or sidelined. Any yeah, just basically the same thing. Um, just cheering them on, uh, knowing that you're in their corner because it means a lot more to them than you think. Um, when they get that positivity, um, it really helps. And so that's all I got to say. Thank you. Thank you. Well, one final question to the both of you, and then we, we, we're going to let you go because I know you got a lot of stuff going on <laughs> and, you know, you got the fan yeah. you know, village here and there's all sorts of other stuff. But with regards to what we've been talking about, sports, mental health, but also having to perform at this huge stage. Any lasting thoughts? And maybe when you're when you're posing your lasting thoughts, maybe some advice for younger players that are going to be playing at this stage about how to handle it. Um, I just think the biggest thing for me is um, going through my time here at Indiana in four years, it went by super fast. And so um, just don't take anything for granted. And um, just always remember that you got people in your corner that care for you, um, that love you, and you can't let anyone, no one, tell you you can't do something, basically. So that's the biggest thing that I have to say. You can't let any of these fans get under your skin. You play, you play basketball for the reason, or you play basketball for a specific reason, whether, whether it be for your family, whether it be for yourself, or you have your goals, and you just got to stick to them. I love it. I love it. Thank you. How about you, Joe? Um, I would just say have fun and just enjoy the process. Like, I mean, like the visits, I mean, college itself, the campus, the fan base. I mean, just everything. Like, even March Madness. Like, that was really, like, one of the most fun I've ever had playing basketball just because of the environment, the fans, just knowing that it's really when to go home. So, I mean, like, just enjoying the whole process. And really basketball itself, I mean, it's such a beautiful thing. Like, it could take you so many places. So, I mean, just enjoying it and just having fun with it. That's so cool. Well, this certainly makes my job so worthwhile. Like, this is the type of stuff that I wake up for. And just to see the smile on both of your all's faces, I can tell that you're just genuinely really happy. And if I could offer maybe some unsolicited advice, but also from an athlete who went through injury, and obviously this is the type of stuff that I focus on, especially when it comes to athletic retirement and making that transition, mm -hmm. is that if and when you ever do get injured again, because that's just the part of sport, consider that a dry run for your next chapter in life, because how you respond during that injury in that time is might be a signal of like how you might respond once you retire, and so maybe there's that opportunity to figure out who you are as a person beyond mm -hmm. the court. Doesn't necessarily mean like we can't be really good athletes and not focus on sports, but just maybe an opportunity to explore other areas of your life. Most definitely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah, you so much you. for joining. Have a wonderful rest of the time here. Yeah, Don't go too crazy. Never. Good luck time. with everything. Safe travels home. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Let's continue our conversation. So this is what happens in the in the era of NIL deals where student athletes are celebrities. I mean, they've been celebrities for a really long time, but it is really interesting to 
to experience the intercollegiate landscape with the NIL deal. It's something that I haven't done from a media perspective, so it's just really, it's cool, it's fun. I'm glad that they're, that athletes are getting compensated for their time and efforts. But the point is, is that they had other obligations, understandably, so I wanted to shape the conversation around them, and then now it's just you and I, so we're gonna reflect, reflect on everything that just happened. I'm just curious, I just wanna start off with an open-ended question of, um, you know, what were your thoughts about some of the things that they, they shared? I mean, I think it's so great that they can share so openly. Um, I'm not surprised by what they've shared. I mean, again, the, the part I'm surprised by is how they're handling everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're getting, they have good people in their corner. They're getting coaching support to be able to handle the limelight, you know, and I love seeing that because not everybody has that opportunity or privilege to be able to, you know, prepare for something like this. So that, that's what I'm most impressed by. It was really interesting hearing them talk about social media. Right. And the pressure and expectation because as I'm, As I said during our conversation, anytime I talk to any athlete, especially the ones that played at the elite level, they will always talk about the expectation and the pressure, which is oftentimes looped in with some capacity of fame. There's something about being famous and being on the public stage where your performance can be dissected in every aspect. I mean, it's no different than maybe some of what I do in media. Right. And, um, you know, I've watched not only a a lot of my colleagues experience the social media responses as well, but for myself as well, I get some of that social media noise and some of that social media hate. Um, And it does affect you in some capacity. So it was really interesting to hear them talk so strongly about that. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, if we talk about the stressors they have to face, this new generation, like their generation and up and coming, is going to have to know how to handle the social media. Like, it's an end to their personal lives. Like, we talk about you, you know, you are in the public eye. Actresses and actors are in the public eye. And, like, you know, the paparazzi, all those things. It's how do they respond to protecting and boundarying their private lives, even to what they post. Because if you post something... Um, someone's going to look at it and pounce on it. So being, having discretion and discernment about what you post, how you want to represent yourself, are you in line with your values, with what you're sharing in the public eye, um, doing the best you can there, and then just staying as grounded as possible. That's not easier said than done, but like not getting roped into a conversation or a comment and starting to doubt yourself. Because these guys, right, they're, they're, a lot of their identities are wrapped up in what they do and learning who they are is really, really important, and how they respond is crafting who they are. So let's talk about some, from a clinical perspective, let's talk about some strategies that athletes could actually employ, because I think the thing that I'm taking away from this conversation is the road to the elite stage is just ba- basically all about one's ability, individual and team, to somehow remain focused on the task at hand right. and also focus on the things that you can control yes. versus not getting distracted by the things that you can't control, i.e. the noise, the social media hate, those type, the media, the hype, and all that other stuff. So what are some ways that athletes could maintain that sense of focus and shut out the noise? I mean, I think if, if we're able to focus, help them focus, they're going to stop the overthinking. 
right? So if we can focus on being in the moment, that mindfulness practice, being in the moment for what we are here for, whether it's that free throw, that game, um, an interview like this, to only think within this sphere and focus only on this and the overthinking of, oh, who's gonna see it? Did I mess up, blah, 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 is not in play. The mind is gonna go there, but we have to bring it back. That's being mindful, bring, noticing where we are, being self-aware and bringing it back. Because um, we know that like it can wear on their mental health in the, in, and I wanna say something about the difference between mental health and a mental health challenge or mental illness. That's something that is really important important in the destigmatizing of a conversation like this, that oftentimes mental health and mental illness are in the same sentence synonymously. They're different. You and I both know that, mm-hmm. right? And so our mental health is just as important as our physical health. It's our thoughts, emotions, and our behaviors. And we can actually shift how we think, which then can shift how we feel, and then shift how we behave. If we're talking about social media, the thought, oh shoot, I'm doubting myself, there's a bad uh, tweet coming my way, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking negatively about it, so I'm gonna feel negatively by my, about myself and then respond negatively, like maybe tweeting back something that you shouldn't be, or whatever, and starting going down, maybe feeling down and depressed. You know, feeling suicidal, acting on it is the most extreme manifestation of depression. We wanna mitigate that as soon as possible and starts with our thoughts. So if we can focus on what it is, not let our thinking go in all these different directions and bring it back, that's already saving somebody's life right there. I'm so curious about people sitting in the audience listening to this conversation. I have a feeling that some people might be questioning, okay, well, you're at the final four, we're talking about the NCAA tournament, why are we talking about mental health because isn't this just about performance well the answer to that question would be this it it shapes the whole reason it is the whole reason why i decided to go back and get my getting get a doctor degree at late in my late 30s is because through my own personal experience i saw that you could not separate the person from the athlete the mental health and personal development from the athletic Absolutely. performance. Absolutely. A lot of people would like to think that we can compartmentalize, but in fact, the person that shows up on the court or field, it's sports is basically an expression of yes. who they are as people. Think of it as almost like art, right? And so I think to those people who are wondering why we are talking about mental health and well-being at the Final Four, at the NCAA t- t- tournament, is because when we focus on the person first, yes. that is when we can actually achieve peak performance. Would you say? I couldn't agree more. And so important to highlight um, and slow that down and let people sit with that because um, people can say, shut up and dribble. Or like sports aren't a place to talk about mental health and your mind. I mean, we know that 80 to 90% of any game is mental. Mm-hmm. Right? And so why are we not talking about how that can be trained just like your body Um, it's super super important I think mental health and physical health need to be in the same conversation side by side as we start to normalize it like this transparent conversation about it yeah no but the shut up and dribble concept um, is obviously something that I think athletes are really starting to push back against um, understandably so because they're starting to and I actually attribute the growth in social media for that because I think now that athletes have their own social media, their own channels, they are able to freely express themselves. And they're also recognizing like, hey, I have thoughts about other things. I have thoughts about 
you know, politics. I have thoughts about social issues. Exactly. I have thoughts about comedy. I have right. thoughts about so many other things. Absolutely. And I think that's why we're starting to see athletes come out and be a little bit more forthright about things like this. Yes. Leveraging social media to the benefit of their platform and, and the values and missions and causes that, that they believe in and are important to them. Um, and, and at the same time, making sure that the negativity that comes through is siphoned out properly so you can use it for the platform it's meant to be. Because that's when you help people, that's when you change lives, that's when you bring messages out that people might not even know you have. Right, right. And also, I just want to add something too, you know, because we're talking about, hey, cut out the noise, cut out the distractions. I also want to validate athletes' feelings. When you hear some of that stuff, like, it is impossible for it to not bother you. So the fact if you get noise and it bothers you, like consider yourself a normal human being. Like Absolutely. I have so many peers who are some of the most popular, famous sports personalities in the world and they come home and they're like, they're up till 3 a.m. and it bothers them. I know it bothers them and they actually outright say it bothers them. So consider it normal that if it does affect you, it's okay um, because some of the stuff that fans say really does hurt but it's how you respond not exactly. how you react but how you respond like exactly. let's find a way to respond in a productive manner and so you can create those boundaries so you can protect yourself that's that's just one thing that i wanted to add i mean and i couldn't agree more i mean i think for athletes to think or high performers to think that you're not supposed to have any emotions then takes you out of the humanity of who you are puts yeah. you back in that commodity and robot phase which is not who you are and so being able to feel what you feel, get that support from your trusted people, whoever they might be, journal about it maybe, write about it, create about it, express it however you feel, and then let's move on. Let's move on. We don't need to stay there long. We're going to respond and then move on to, to more positive experiences. So I just want to wrap up the conversation, Lisa, and, and get your lasting and final thoughts about this. Today we're just talking about the buildup, the crescendo, the lead up, the preparation, the expectations, the pressure, all these other factors that contribute to the journey to the elite stage, like the NCAA tournament or whatever it is, fill in the blank, college football, national title, the journey right. and all that other stuff. And I think the reason, and just to provide a little context, after this panel, we're gonna do a second panel and we're gonna talk about the come down and then return mm -hmm. home from the elite stage. And we're gonna talk a little bit about why athletes experience this dip or this crash. Because to understand the crash and the downfall, we then have to also explain the rise and the adrenaline that comes through all of this. So just your final thoughts. When we're talking about student athletes, mental health, well-being, but also being able to achieve peak performance and their road to the elite stage, what are some things that you think are really important to take away from this? I mean, the number one thing I think of is you got to do you regardless of what environment you're in or what platform you're in. You have to be grounded in who you are as best as possible, learn that, set some values and expectations for yourself, and it doesn't matter who you play or where you play. Um, you're going to get excited, that's normal, but keeping your emotions regulated as even as possible and not let the environment take you out of who you are or out of your game. Yeah. Um, that's super, super important. Um, I think um, people who don't understand how the adrenaline can play out, like even your breathing can take you back down and not let the adrenaline work you, you work it. And you are in charge of how you feel and how you are by using breathing techniques, being reminded of who, where you are, get your body grounded. Like your opposition, your venue should not matter because you're gonna do your game. 
no matter what. I tell my my um, daughter all the time, like, baby, oh, your tournament's coming up. What, you know, you're playing blue, boop, boop, and boop. How are you feeling about that? Mommy, it doesn't matter. You know that. <laughs> I'm like, my girl, yes. But, like, that, that mentality, it doesn't matter because you're going to be set to your routine mentally and physically. You know what you are doing. You're in control of the things that matter. That helps you stay grounded and be able to, like, push away the stuff that's not in your control easier when you are able to control things and take agency around that. Yeah. I think, you know, my lasting thought from this conversation, uh, to quote one of a legendary tennis player, role model, a mentor of mine is Billie Jean King, and she said, pressure is a privilege. And I think, you know, looking, we're sitting here in the middle of this fan fest, the final four, 2023, I mean, it, it doesn't get any bigger than this, but I think to put it into context, is and recognizing that pressure is a privilege. And I've had people kind of often ask like, what does that mean? When there is pressure, that means that we are in a position to really have an impact. That's and, right. And to ta have that responsibility, there, That's right. you know, if we are able to appreciate and express gratitude for having been in this position and afforded this opportunity to have this type of pressure and weight and burden, if you will, on our shoulders, mm -hmm. That is just a tremendous once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And you know what? Trace is right. It goes by real quick. Yeah. And I wish for myself, if looking back at my experience, it's so easy to just get wrapped up, it, up in it and, and lose perspective. But I do wish I could have had a little bit just more mindfulness and sinking into the moment because this is going to be gone before you know it. Right. So. Right. But Lisa, thank you so much for joining the conversation today. You were fantastic. Love your insight on everything. And, and where can people find you if they want to find you? Yeah, I appreciate you, Prim. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, I'm on social media. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter. Um, I have a Ath Mindset website. But, yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate just being here, being a part of it. Like, this is a privilege. Um, I don't take it for granted. And, like, sharing space with you is really, really important to me. It means a lot. Same here. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Really hope you enjoyed today's discussion in the special NCAA Final Four episode of the LG Transparent Conversations series. And it's all being powered by LG Electronics USA. Can't thank them enough for just including me in these important discussions. It is honestly a dream come true to use my broadcasting platform for such a good cause. And hopefully we are helping normalize this conversation regarding student athlete mental health and well-being. If you want to catch more episodes of the next chapter, you know where to go. Check it out on, on all the different platforms, including YouTube, where you can watch this entire episode. I'm Prim Saripapat, and we'll see you guys next week. Okay.